Hi, welcome to the Southern Soil Podcast. My name is Leanna Tatum. I'm your host. Today and every day, we are talking about growing our local food communities. If you love growing food, cooking food, or if you just really love to eat good food, you are in the right place. So pull up a chair and let's get this conversation started. Hi, I'm excited for you to join Marissa Pecos of Whipperwell Farms and I as we have a frank discussion about mental health. We also talk about the effects of farming, good and bad, on mental health, what it means to be transparent on social media, and Marissa's passion for eco-friendly farming methods. And now for a quick word from our sponsor. Way Green is a nonprofit organization based out of Waycross, Georgia, dedicated to improving accessibility to healthy food and food education throughout their community. The work they do is all about strengthening the local food system by inspiring and empowering the growth, distribution, and consumption of healthy local food. For more information, visit www.waygreeninc.org. Marissa, I think we could probably fill about three podcasts. (laughs) But I, I think watching your journey on social media has been inspiring to me just in, in what you do, but it's also inspiring to me because you've been very open about a lot of the, the mental health issues and that's something that I deal with myself. So, you know, seeing that in someone else is always makes it extra inspiring because I know a little bit about what it takes to, you know, get up on those days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can talk, we can talk about like recent, you know, we can talk about like where my mental health is now and things I'm struggling with and, um, just kind of how I get, you know, how I get through and, um, what parts of the farm make my struggle harder. Um, and the part of the business make my struggle harder. So, I mean, we can definitely talk about that if you want. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, well, let's start out and talk a little bit about, um, because you did not grow up on a farm and you have not been farming your entire adult life. (laughs) So maybe we can, we'll kind of start there and um, maybe just share a little bit. Um, I know, like I said, we could, we could do multiple podcasts. So maybe just a brief overview of of kind of the early years and, and what sort of triggered a a very um sharp turn from a corporate life into a farming life yeah so um we've been raising food for ourselves for um coming up on seven years is when we bought our first piece of property Mm -hmm. and my husband right now his name's James he's going through some health issues with his feet and he and I had to have a little like come to Jesus conversation the other day when I said like hey man if you don't want to take care of yourself and you want to die that's fine just tell me where the insurance documents are and um so he kind of took what I said and and started listening and it was I was thinking to myself and I was like you know it's really interesting I I need a medical degree before James (laughs) will actually take me seriously like I know Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. and it made me think about the farm and back when we started and why right and so Mm -hmm. I had met James and he was my neighbor um he's a lot older than I am Mm -hmm. and I just was intrigued by James because he was always outside he was always doing something 
Um, and I just found him really interesting. We started spending time together and we shared a lot of like commonalities with being interested in nature and being outside. And he had a little guard, he had some garden boxes and, um, you know, we just found common ground through that. And, right. and as we got to know each other more, um, it, it ended up being like a good fit, but James and I were, we had some major differences. And one of the major differences for James and I was that he really didn't care about where his food came from. He enjoyed gardening because it gave him something to do when he came home from work. Right. Um, but he wasn't necessarily interested in organic. He wasn't interested in, um, you know, raising, eating, consuming meats that were pasture raised or mm -hmm. whatever. And so I was thinking about his foot and how I probably am going to have to get a medical degree for him to listen to me. And I thought about how I had to start a farm for James <laughs> to eat food that was raised organically, <laughs> meat that was raised humanely, uh -huh. pasture raised, whatever. I mean, that was like the big, that was the start for me was coming home from work to a man that would brag about how he paid like 69 cents a pound for pork chops. And I'd be like, that can't be real meat. Like it's like, that is impossible. That can't be good for you. Right. And, mm -hmm. it, and for him, it was like, what do you mean? Like, this is great for me. I'm saving money. I'm like, yeah, but, but it's not, you know? So really that was the first thing it was like, how can I get this man? How can I get him to, to eat properly? So then I got pregnant. And then we added a whole nother set to the equation. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about how with Ellie, we were going to end up, she was going to have the same habits as James. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a big cook. I don't enjoy cooking. I, um, and so I know it's crazy. I raise all this great food and I don't like to cook, mm -hmm. but I just don't. And so James would have been the one doing the cooking. Mm -hmm. And so for me, he was the one doing the grocery shopping. He's the one doing the cooking. Right. And like, how can I influence him? And now we have a child who we have to worry about. So we bought our first piece of land and I didn't know anything about raising food. Um, I always had horses. We got a horse first thing. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as we started clearing the property a little bit, and then we started chickens and I got interested in the meat rabbits and um, we did that. And then we got some pigs and slowly but surely we were becoming self-sufficient. Um, right. We had a small garden, which was enough for us to get some things out of. We would jar tomatoes every year. And so at first that was fine. Um, but I started to do so much more research about environmentalism and farming. I started, you know, I've always had a really big interest in, you know, environmental impact, climate change, um, just what the future of our planet kind of looks like. And so right. I started doing a lot more research on that and, and what the farming, what farming actually does to the planet and how we can sustain ourselves and native ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And so in that process and the desire to teach more people about what we're doing, share our products, make a living, get out of corporate America, do more environmentally friendly farming, that's kind of led us to where we are today. Yeah. Um, so that was almost seven years ago when we began. We started selling publicly uh, in the fall of 2018. And okay. one year later, we sold our first piece of property, which was only two acres. Mm -hmm. And we bought the property we have now, which is 40 acres. Wow. So we do for two years now, 
we've been in on our current land. And uh, when we bought it, it was just completely wooded. There wasn't a road, there was nothing. I mean, just dense, dense, dense. And um, we've just slowly put the pigs through and, and started bringing back the ecosystem. And I can send you, I can turn my camera here. I know it's not gonna matter on your podcast, but <laughs> let's see. And I'm looking out to some forest. Oh, I was covering it. <laughs> Look, I see we, red. That we've oh, started. Yeah. Yeah, replanting and we've started replanting trees um, from trees that we've, you know, pulled anything that's become really invasive. Right. Uh, so we're planting in ground cover. We're planting in fruit trees, nut trees, um, just anything that can later sustain the, the native ecosystem. Right. And, and that desire to provide food for people and show them how at the same time we can actually make our planet better mm-hmm. um, has really helped drive me. And a, and a you know, a desire to help people just like I help James understand that, you know, where our food comes from is important, how we get our mm-hmm. food matters. Um, yeah. And so the, the education part of it um, is yeah. really important. And, and, you know, then I see food insecurity and all that too. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that drive us. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of our, our little background story there yeah. in, a, in a snippet, I guess. Yeah. Well, you bring up like two really important points that are super, I think, relevant today. And that is the food that we eat matters. So it's like we all grew up hearing you are what you eat, but mm-hmm. somehow it never fully sinks into people that you are what you eat. And so right. if you're eating unhealthy meats, what does that mean for your body? You know, how healthy of a person can you be if you continually fuel yourself with unhealthy foods? The other right. important thing that you bring up that's super relevant today is having animals on the land can improve the land. I think we're seeing this kind of weird thing going on right now where people are wanting to move toward sort of lab-grown meats as a way to be environmentally, I use air quotes for that, um, responsible and sort of skip over the whole maybe we should move from our industrial system of raising animals to a, a animals back on the land (laughs) way of raising animals. And maybe that would be the the right way to move. So I know that you do, uh, we we talk a lot about in this community pasture raised meats, but your, your system is really even different than that because you're not really clearing pasture land. They're really being incorporated into the forest. Talk a little bit about how those animals impact the land and what, what they've done to improve. Yeah, so we, we farm based off of, I just say ecosystem restoration. And so mm-hmm. I always in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about our native animal populations and what they need. Um, we put our animals through the forest system. That's was this particular piece of land was clear cut for timber 30 years ago. And it was mm-hmm. never replanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is filled with sweet gum trees, china berry trees, mm-hmm. kudzu vine, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of wild grapevine. There's all these things that kind of have come in and they are growing in this little bit of a toothpick. Like if you open a toothpick box, that's what our forests look like here. Mm-hmm. Um, so no trees can really open up. They can't reach the sunlight. They're not thriving. Right. They're not maturing to produce anything. So if you walk through our forest, that have nothing in it, 
like no animal, no, none of our domestic animals, you won't mm-hmm. see any wildlife. I mean, there'll be snakes in there. There's probably moles. There's, I'm sure there's some rats and, um, right. you know, things like that, but you're not seeing deer. You're not seeing squirrels. You're not seeing chipmunks. You're not seeing, um, any kind of animal that really uses the forest for, as a food source. Mm-hmm. Um, so and just, so, just to kind of help for people who maybe aren't, aren't familiar, all those plants that you listed are pretty much invasive species. So they're not contributing to the native. Right. Uh, and so, and I think it's important to, to clarify, like there's invasive species, right. Where people like to classify that those are plants brought here. Mm-hmm. from somewhere else and then there are plants that are native to our area but when not managed take can over. act invasively mm-hmm. right yeah. so anyway i just there you know for any naturalists that are listening or your science mm-hmm. science people that want to say hey those are native you know it's important that we just clarify that yeah. like sweet gum trees aren't an invasive species as much as when they are not managed, they become mm-hmm. invasive in the forest. Right. Um, so, so it's just important that we clarify what's invasive and what's not uh, as far as like a natural species of plant. Right. Um, so anyway, so we come back through then. So we put our animals through and once we do that, they open the forest system up to it for us, specifically our pigs. And we can actually see what is in there do we have pecan trees are there oak trees is there Mm. red buds um do we have any maple trees are there chestnut trees what's in there and once they do that we can then move them out of a section and we can come in we can coppice and cut trees we can pull trees from the root system like our sweet gums because they really just don't produce anything i mean they do have great Mm -hmm. foliage so if you wanted to coppice the tree and let the foliage grow back really short, it's great food for goats. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, at the end of the day, what we're looking to do is establish this 40 acres into a working food forest mm-hmm. for native animals. So we then, once we clear, we come back through and we'll start replanting and filling in gaps where we've removed trees from. So if we pull a cluster of sweet gums, that's, you know, a 30 foot diameter of trees, we mm-hmm. come back in and now we'll plant one live oak mm-hmm. or we'll plant one red maple or we'll plant um, a red bud that's a nitrogen fixing tree. And mm-hmm. we might plant a loquat or something else in that forest system that later will produce mulberry mm-hmm. bushes, um, things that will drop fruit, squirrels will come and eat, deer Mm -hmm. will munch on. So that 30 years from now, if I am tired of farming, I haven't cut all the trees, I haven't destroyed ecosystem of other animals that were Mm -hmm. already living here. And even though we have 40 acres, we only use like 15 at a time. And that includes our own living space. So with our gardens and with our own home and with our agritourism that we do and with our animals, it's like 15 acres at a time that's actually has hooves or feet on it. Right. And so there's so much space here on this farm for the native animals to move through and enjoy. I mean, you can walk through our forest sections that we have cleared and thinned and replanted and put ground cover in and you see like a flourishing squirrel population. Our birds that come through that migrate and also are native here all year round, 
there's a lot of bird life here on our farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a there's place for everyone. There's a place for your native animals. There's a place for your domestic animals. There's a place for your garden. Mm-hmm. There's room for everyone on the farm. And, and that's kind of the attitude that we, that we give off, right. That we try to, um, that we try to live. It's, it's for us, for the earth, for the animals. And there's place for everyone, including all kinds of humans, you know? Yeah. It's kind of accepting the idea of abundance. There's, there's an abundance of resource when you allow it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I mean, when you talk about, and, and I'll just give you an example here too, of resources, right? So how many times do you see people raising pasture-raised meat birds in chicken tractors, giant mm-hmm. chicken tractors that they fool with a tractor that has to be on pasture space mm-hmm. because they need the space to be able to pull the structure through, mm-hmm. no trees around. Well, guess what? I don't even have structures for my meat chickens. They literally right. have no shelter. They are in these dense sections of woods where the actual trees in these dense sections provide their shelter for them. The fallen limbs, the logs mm-hmm. that have dropped, the brushiness of the, um, the bushiness of any of the, like the lower right. um, yeah. trees, those all provide shelter for them. And yeah. so, and we use electric fencing, we use livestock guardian dogs and we rotate. And so with all of those practices, I've found that I don't even need a structure. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And so we preserve our wood on the farm mm-hmm. by not number one, cutting it down to make pasture space. And number two, not utilizing other natural resources or other man-made resources to create these shelters for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you talk about like everything that we do on the farm is based off of those ideas of like, um, you know, taking our fair share and you know not not over utilizing natural resources um, mm-hmm. taking you know using what we already have so it's a really different it's a different way of farming mm-hmm. yeah it is um I got to come out and visit you it's a neat place to visit it's neat to see it in action um talk a little bit about how you rotate and which animals serve which purposes in your rotation so we have cattle, we have pigs, we have egg chickens, meat chickens. Sometimes we do ducks and we used to have a herd of goats. And I really did enjoy the goats, but um, I just, we rotated them through the forest system and our forests were just way too dense to get the fencing that we used through so that the mm-hmm. goats were respectful of the fencing. We could never get it hot enough because it was always touching a tree somewhere. Yeah. And it, it was just difficult. So you know, we've said goodbye to the goats, but you know, we still have plenty of animals that we rotate through. So usually we just start with our pigs and the pig fencing is really easy to string. Um, we don't use any permanent fencing. Uh, so we have, you know, we just use regular, um, hot wire and we run lines through the forest, two strands. Uh, we can go weave in and out of trees and Mm -hmm. however we need to do it. And then we connect it to a permanent power source. So we don't use solar with the pigs, but they do have to be on a really, really, really hot line. Um, and so we put them through, they expose soil. They eat a lot of like the underbrush. They root up saplings and smaller trees and help us see what's happening in the forest. Then mm-hmm. at that point, 
we will rotate the pigs off. We might cover crop in the space if they get it cleared down enough. Mm-hmm. If not, um, we'll let it sit and we'll let it grow back again. And all the weeds will come back through and we'll put the pigs back on maybe four months later. If we have the funds, we'll rent a piece of equipment and we'll go through after the pigs and we'll pull trees from the root system. Or if we have the time, we'll go through and coppice trees and cut to help sunlight get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after we get a section where you know the pigs have gone through, we can get in there um, and string fencing, we will then you know, put meat chickens in after. And those are in the super, super dense sections of the forest. Um, we put them in our densest sections of the forest because again, we don't build shelter for them. Mm-hmm. And because we don't like birds of prey to be able to swoop down and get our chickens. So a lot right. of times our egg chickens, they're in more open spaces, but they're a lot more agile. They're a little bit more aware of, of their surroundings. Um, and so we'll put the meat chickens in there and they just really fertilize so heavy because we put such a large quantity of birds in a section at a time so we'll might put three to Mm five hundred birds in a one acre piece and they'll Mm -hmm. sit there for you know they'll sit there for a week and then they move um and so it it really it kind of just depends on what what we need to do what our funds look like as far as are we able to rent equipment do we have time to do any clearing Um, or do we just continue to push the animals through constantly, not even putting anybody else in there without, you know, without clearing. And we just push our pigs through so that they can just over time do more clearing. We have grid Mm -hmm. systems set up on the farm where we just open a gate and the pigs move through. So we have these gates on the farm that are connected, you know, they're put in the ground, pretty crappy. It's not, we don't use cement or anything. It's just mm-hmm. where we hook up the electric fencing to so that we can easily just have them walk through. Right. And so if you come walk through our forest, you might not see fencing, but you'll see these random gates just like <laughs> standing up, sitting through the forest. Yeah. And then that means, you know, and for us, that <clears throat> shows me someday, hey, if I'm going to re- completely redo this side of the forest and we're done farming here, you know, our impact is, is complete. Um, I could just remove those gates and it's like nobody was ever even there. Yeah. Um, wow. And that's the idea. So, you know, you might, you might just see some random gates and then there's areas where you understand, oh, okay, this is part of that grid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other nice thing about the rotation and the grid system through the forest is that when we have our sows that are going to have their babies, um, we can just easily push boars right on through to the next section and we can just leave the ones that are pregnant right on in there. And so we can push those pigs through that we need. So instead of shoots and other kind of, you know, utilizing trailers and and moving Mm -hmm. pigs from space to space, we just kind of push them through the gate, close off the gate, and here we're into the next section. And then they might add to this herd over here. Um, And then the chickens are different. You know, we have a big coop that we use for our egg chickens and a a couple egg mobiles, and they go in much more open spaces. So Mm -hmm. their coop is large. Um, and so that's an example of us needing to have a more of like a pasture space or a space right. that has much less trees so that we can maneuver the coop through there um, and actually move it. But those egg right. chickens, they move once a week or, you know, if it's a really big section, they'll move once every two weeks or so. Yeah. Um, and so it's always fluid on the farm. Um, and so people come and they stay, they might come, you know, we have a lot of people that come like once a year and they'll be like, oh my God, we were here last year. and 
you've moved everything. I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> we, we moved it last week. Like it's been, you know, it moves every single yeah. week, something's changing. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, that's a fun part about being on the farm and watching the progression and understanding just what, you know, it all, um, and, and the purpose of all of that. Right. Right. Very cool. The SD Gunner Fund, located out of Richmond Hill, Georgia, serves veterans, first responders, and children living with disabilities while inspiring disability awareness through public education and advocacy. SD Gunner Fund is a therapy and service dog provider. Their service dogs are trained to support individuals with mobility, psychiatric, and brain and neurological disabilities. I have been involved with SD Gunner Fund for over seven years and have had the privilege of seeing the differences these dogs can make in the lives of the humans they serve. For more information on services provided or to find out how you can help with this worthwhile organization, check out their website at www.sdgunner.org. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And um, we we had talked about this beforehand. Um, but one of the, I've watched your story online a good bit. <laughs> and um, I feel like you're someone who is, is very inspiring. You're inspiring for women. There's, there's not enough women doing this kind of thing. I know I wouldn't do, I wouldn't, I would not have the wherewithal to do it. I'm very glad there are people out there who are, who are doing it. Uh, Cause it, it, it's definitely not uh, my thing, <clears throat> but that's okay. Cause we all have our own things, but I, I relate very well to you because you are very open about your struggles and mental health issues that you faced. And, and I'm someone who um, has dealt with anxiety for most of my life and depression and different things like that. Um, and so it's not only admirable what you're doing, but I understand the, the grit and determination that's behind a lot of that, because when you're experiencing those things, <laughs> people may not realize how much strength it takes just to get up in the morning, much less actually accomplish something. So um, if I would really like to kind of talk to you about, about some of that and maybe some of how farming has helped with some of those issues and, and maybe ways where it's um, more of a struggle. Yeah, so I think, you know, I talk about James being one of the big reasons why we started the farm, right? But mm -hmm. that, was, that was the kickoff. Um, but then once I started working with the animals and I started working with the land, um, and had this desire to like do more, it was also, I found that I was most happy when I wasn't doing anything other than being on the farm. I was outside. I dreaded going to work. I worked in a corporate job and not that my job was terrible. Yeah. I made great money. Um, you know, uh, we had the things that we needed. We, we, we were able to go on little vacations and whatever we were living right. what people would think of as the American dream, right. but I felt so unfulfilled in my career and through farming and through what I was doing with the land and my desire to do more, I really decided that if I wanted to do what what was going to help me most in my life, I needed to take this step. And, and that was the first part of it. I also didn't know Ellie when she was a baby. I worked so much. We had a nanny that lived at our small farm with us and she knew the nanny more than she knew me. Mm. Um, 
And I felt a disconnect from Ellie. I felt like, I don't know, just not a, I didn't feel like her mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so there's all these things that play into it and add into it, like my anxiety and depression. So that's, you know, a lot of that stemmed me saying, you know, let's, let's do this full time. Um, Mm -hmm. And through the struggles of farming, if you farm, if you grow food for yourself, if you raise anything for yourself, um, it is not easy. And if it's easy for you, then I don't, I don't know what, what you're doing. (laughs) Right. Because I've never, it's never come easy. There's always struggles. There's the learning curve is incredibly high, but it almost takes like the resilience that you need to farm, to constantly face setbacks with the weather, with Mm -hmm. mother nature, just with, with anything, the constant setbacks and the, 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 the not even really having a choice, but to get up and go outside and to fix the problem, Mm -hmm. to overcome the struggle, whatever it is, right. When you're farming, you don't just get to say like, eh, I'll let it go till tomorrow because there's, it's, it's usually life and death situations. Yeah. And so for me, having pressure on me that even on my worst days, even on the days that I didn't want to do anything, even on the days where I felt my most depressed, pushing myself to get out of bed and to do the things that I needed to do because other things depended on me, like other Mm -hmm. living beings, it wasn't just my child. It was more than that. It, it pushed me to become even more resilient. Mm -hmm. And that gave me an opportunity then to keep developing this personality of overcoming things and being resilient and continuing to try facing adversity, whatever it was, you know, there's nothing now that I can't face that I'm, I know I'm not going to overcome that. I, I always know I will overcome, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that getting there isn't a struggle. Right. And so I felt found that sharing that struggle on social media was something that people really enjoyed learning about. Not that Mm -hmm. they wanted to listen to my all of my pitfalls and my mistakes that I make or, you know, anything, anything bad that happens in our life. But the reality of trying to do something self you know, being Mm -hmm. self-taught and then sharing that story was what started kind of our journey on social media and and sharing what we do. Mm -hmm. I never candy coated it. I never made it sound like anybody can do this and everybody should be doing this because it's not for everyone. Right. Um, and, and just showing the reality of what it's like and, and just how difficult it is was important to me. And so now years later, um, I almost now struggle with the fact that I do share that (laughs) all of the, all of the, the bad things that happen. Yeah. The bigger you scale up, the more issues arise. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so now it's not just, oh, 25 chickens died because of X, Y, or Z. Now it's, I have a batch of chickens that, a batch of 500 chickens that were left out from the post office Mm -hmm. on the front stoop. And now there's, you know, we're going to lose maybe hundreds of chickens or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had, I had a pig get out. Oh, that was tough to put in. Oh, well now I have 25 pigs that have gotten out. You know, so there's all of these things that are constantly happening. And then the more that you share, the more that people know of you, um, the more that you feel like you're being judged. 
And, and lately that's been, I think that's been my biggest struggle lately. We also are really open, right? I share everything on social media. I don't just share, but anybody that says to me, Oh, I want to come check out your farm. You know, mm. I'll say, yeah, come on out. We're well, you're welcome to come out and shop. You're welcome to blah, blah, blah. For people that want to come and volunteer. Absolutely. Come on out. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when you open up your, your farm and your, your, your life to people and, and then you find out that they don't have the best intentions. Yeah. And mm. so these are the things that kind of get me right yeah. at this point in, in where we are. So yeah, I struggle with being I, I've been struggling with being open, like mm-hmm. I had been before. Um, yeah. Because it's a little bit debilitating the fear of opening up to people, because I've seen just what opening up can do. Yeah, on the wrong people when you open up to the wrong people. Yeah. Um, and so those are some of my struggles. And um, at the same time, I feel like it's so important, though, to keep pushing myself to share. And just the other day I shared that I was having these struggles, you know, mm-hmm. sharing that I'm having trouble writing and sharing my experience authentically, like being mm-hmm. real, you know, right. I hadn't been posting very many stories of whatever we had been doing, you know? Um, and that helped because it took the fear of, well, what are these people going to say when I get real? Mm-hmm. I just put it out there, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it's kind of, yes, it's a blessing and a curse to, to share on social media, to have right. a good following. It's brought us things like, um, our photo shoot with Duluth trading company, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and everything that's come from that. And it helped my neighbor farmer, um, when their burn barn burned down, right. Raise thousands of dollars through yeah. my followers. Right. Um, so it's great. For things like that it's great for building community but at the same time it challenges my mental capacity just like farming a little bit mm-hmm. um and so yeah it's been an interesting it's been an interesting journey sharing all that and um and just knowing what you know what I'm going through now because I've shared so much yeah you almost wonder, and that's me, you know, I have a lot of fear of wondering who's now on my team. Yeah. Who's on my side. Yeah. And that's, that's hard. And, um, you know, I think for me, like I've just started this podcast journey and as I'm discovering, even just barely into it, you know, I've done writing for years and that's, that's a whole different level. I'm, I'm not, I won't say hiding behind writing but you're you're not out in front you know you're not the one you're you're not being represented in that way and podcasting is different it's it's much more um intimate it puts me in a position of being much much more vulnerable and and having to be more out in front I'm an introvert so it's my nature to stay behind the the curtain (laughs) so to speak so yeah it was something I had to really think long and hard about was I willing to to do that. I hope I don't come to regret it down the road, but I think too, it's important for people. I think we need to have more conversations and more people who are willing to say, Hey, I feel vulnerable. And you know, this is my struggle and this is what I'm doing. We have so many people who are on social media, putting their perfect face out there 
and you know oh and it's so annoying it, it is and it's disheartening because it just makes you yearn even more for what's real like you know I have and I have trouble following other farms that do that you know like I said it it's almost like sometimes people come across like this is so easy mm-hmm. you know and they got they got to be lying you know <laughs> yeah it can't be true because how 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 is that possible that you know you don't struggle with this or you don't struggle with that and how right. do you only share all of the good mm-hmm. you know we see good all the time there's good that happens here all the time yeah but the struggle a lot of times outweighs that good and it's not sharing that that mm-hmm. also makes me the most frustrated um mm-hmm. from people and you know like I share and yeah and, and being being looked at being judged like you said with the podcast I mean it get it becomes so much more personal like mm-hmm. you're critiqued on your voice probably mm-hmm. what you sound like right you know um you're and that's that's your human like that is you mm-hmm. it's not just your writing it's not your education, right? It's not, uh, it's not this other part of you. That's like a, uh, a branch, mm-hmm. like your voice is part of your core, right? You know, right. and your opinions in this way that you can't, yeah, you can edit your podcast a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's not like writing something where you yeah. can easily just, Oh, let me change that word. Or I'm going to go back and fix that. Yeah, or, exactly. you know, it's not like you can't pick a part your podcast like you can pick apart a document yep it's very different (laughs) it is and and so it's easy for people to then pick you apart yeah and that's what I find you know a lot of times with social media and people love to hear the true stories they love to hear the real stories but then I become where they pick me apart Mm. and they pick apart you know me as a person or how I farm or Mm -hmm. Um, just like not good enough, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that becomes upsetting or it's my opinion and, you know, like I'm not entitled to share it or my experiences aren't valid. Right. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, I can just go through and I can just block, you know, block, 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 block. (laughs) But how do you, you know, how do you do that on a podcast, you know, and on every single platform that someone might be commenting on or sharing, you know, so it becomes really, uh, it becomes a lot. And so I, I totally get that. And, um, it doesn't stop me from sharing. Right. But it has caused some anxiety for me lately. And just the comparison of me looking at other farms and, you know, like them sharing only the good things and me wondering, like, how is it possible that they, you know, I struggle with this and they don't. Yeah. Or things like that. Um, Yeah. I think one thing to keep in mind too, I think sometimes the brighter your light, the more people out there trying to throw shade, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, and I think that does happen. And I think that um, there's this sense that society likes to put people in their place. And so, you know, when, when, when you start stepping out as an individual and when you start really fully stepping into who you are, 
I think there's a lot of pressure and a lot of it is internal, but there's a lot of external pressure that comes out you. That's kind of like, who do you think you are to step out into that? You know? Um, and I, I think they definitely it's, do. it's something I was thinking about the other day and it, it came up in, in a different podcast that I was listening to earlier today. When we're kids, so often we're told we can be anything we want to be, right? You know, we can be president, we can be this, we can be that. And um, it's like we get to a certain age and all of a sudden everybody starts telling us all the things that we can't be, you know, because we're not this enough or that enough, or we failed too many times at this. And it's like, you know, you just, you go from this place of, of, being childlike and thinking that, that you have all these grand possibilities to feeling like, who are you to think that way of yourself? And, and I think most of us have encountered that at some point in our lives. And I, and I think as adults, sometimes you get brave enough to go, Hey, I can do anything that I want to do. I can be who, who I want to be. I feel like for me, you know, I've spent so much time trying to get out of society's box mm-hmm. that almost like now that I'm out of the box, I kind of want to be in the box <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, because yeah. I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I fit in, you know, mm-hmm. like what is, where do I fit in? Mm-hmm. Who is my group? What is my, you know, my tribe here is on the farm, but a lot of times I feel like people are interested in the farm and me because it's interesting Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it makes me question is it because I'm interesting Mm -hmm. or is it because I'm a good person Mm -hmm. um you know and so yeah it's almost like I've put myself so far out of society with what I do and how I dress and my my lifestyle and how I haven't allowed myself time to be with friends or Mm -hmm you know, because all I do is grind constantly, um, Mm -hmm. that, yeah, now I'm like, I almost am envious of people that are normal because I don't feel normal, you know? And so these are struggles that I have, you know, these are, and, and I'm not saying I'm going to change it. I don't, not saying I'm going to get back in the box, but there's a lot of times where I'm just like, because of all of the pressures from the outside, because of all the judgments, because of all of the other things that are swirling around in my head, I say, you know what, what if I just quit farming? Mm-hmm. You know, what would I do then? Well, maybe I could sell the farm and it would be profitable enough that I could just stop working forever. But we all know that's not reasonable, right? It's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it, it's a struggle because if you're different, which I am, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that that anxiety and a lot of that depression happens to people that are different you mm-hmm. know that feel the need to do something more than just status quo yeah um and yeah it's very it's very difficult um and then to share about how different you are on top of that and allow society then to come back at you and say the things that you want and i will say most of the people that our supporters and followers of us and our journey are incredibly supportive. Now, I don't always hear from everyone. Not right. everybody comments, not everybody says things. Right. But for the mo- most part, the feedback I get is always positive. 
-hmm. But all it takes is one little thing to happen. Even all of that positivity can just be completely um, outweighed by one. Yeah. Derailed by one negative feeling. Yeah. One negative comment, one negative experience, one, one you looking at someone else that is doing something successfully that you've tried so long to do successfully and you've continued to fail. It can make you feel like a complete failure. And that's, you know, it it just takes one thing. And so I don't have the answer for, I don't have the answer for mental health. I don't know how to fix, you know, all I can say is that I used to be on medication. I used to be on a lot of medication. At one point I was hospitalized Mm. multiple times. Mm. Um, Didn't want to live depression, anxiety. And with the farm, I have come off of my medication Mm. through this deep, constant push to Mm. be outside, to push my body, to push myself, to eat the good food that I raise, Mm -hmm. to be aware of the people that I surround myself with. And all of those things have allowed me to come off my medication. Yeah. But there are days when, you know, I would like to be on it. Um, you know, a little bit of oblivion. Just, yeah, just a little bit, just mm. to help take the edge off. You know, I still think about it, but I don't. And everybody always assumes because I have locks that I'm like a big weed smoker, <laughs> but I don't smoke weed. I don't even do it because I have <laughs> asthma. And so I'd really love to do that, but I don't. And so I love, I love that through the farm, through being honest about my journey and sharing my journey that I have gotten myself this far. Um, but I still struggle all the time and, and yeah, it takes one little thing. Um, and, and those thoughts just swirl and I have people now that I call and I'll say, you know, God, am I crazy? Like, (laughs) Uh, did I, did I totally screw this up or, you know, am I, am I, I'm thinking that this person's out to get me, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's talk, help me talk this through, mm-hmm. um, you know, bring me back to reality yeah. here because yeah. my thoughts are swirling. And so yeah. establishing that circle of people that you can call and trust yeah, um, really helps. But again, that's where that, that comes into play for me, where I say like, well, I've really opened myself up and I've shared these things and now that person doesn't even want to be in my life anymore. Like, what mm-hmm. did I do? Or what did mm-hmm. they hear? Or, um, and those things bother me. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of, you know, from, I think part of what's good about farming lifestyle or just the lifestyle that gets you out. Like I say, I don't farm. I have no desire to farm. Um, but I know like gardening, um, different things. Um, I know you, you love to ride horses. I'm not as experienced as you, but uh, I used to ride a good bit when you're in those kind of positions, whether you're riding a horse or in your garden, pulling weeds, it kind of brings you centered sort of and grounded back to the present. And I think, um, for those of us who struggle with anxiety, so much of anxiety is about the past or the future. And when we can find ourselves present in, in the, the present, in the present, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a safe place to be. 
And I think that that's maybe one of the good benefits about, about what you're doing is that it, it keeps you because of the day-to-day care for the animals, you're kept sort of in that, in that. Yeah, that's a really, that's such a cool point. I know um, years ago I did an intensive, I did a, a lot of inpatient treatment, mm-hmm. but then I did this one outpatient treatment called DBT, which is dialectical behavior therapy. Um, and basically it's like, it, it's a way of changing your thinking mm-hmm. and finding coping mechanisms for the triggers in your mm-hmm. life. And so one of the big things that we would do every day in DBT was mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And so whether that was like, okay, you bring a snack to class. Okay. And I'm like in my twenties doing this. So you pack <laughs> your lunch, you bring a snack mm-hmm. and maybe that snack is an orange. And so you sit with your therapist and you eat the orange and you go through, okay, how does it feel when your finger, like your first fingernail strike goes through the peel mm-hmm. and then walk me through the peeling, walk me through like the whole thing. And then the eating of the orange and all the tastes, the textures. And I think a lot of society today and what we do is rush, right? Right. Like, okay, I'm going to eat this snack while I'm driving my car, while I'm putting my makeup on, taking my kids to daycare and then trying to get to work. Mm -hmm. So like how many tasks are we fitting into the same minute? Right. And so the pressure of society to complete these tasks, to do all these things, um, it, it really takes us away from being mindful, right? So when mm-hmm. I'm out feeding the pigs and I'm working with machinery and I'm working with these large animals that like one misstep and I fall mm-hmm. and the whole herd comes and tramples me, yeah. um, I have to be so in tuned with what's going on. right? And, every, and I have to be watching them. I have to be looking for anomalies in the herd. Is somebody hurt? Is somebody weak? what is happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it really is such a, and, you know, I never really thought of that. It like that. Um, but I think you're so right. Is it really is such a mindful way of living and mm-hmm. every single day. Yeah. I might walk around with my coffee and I might, I might not sit and have my coffee mm-hmm. or remember where I put my coffee cup, but <laughs> I am doing things that I am being mindful at. Right. Um, and so it's not about like being successful at this every single day. It's about finding the moments mm-hmm. and, and finding the joy in those moments and the successes in those moments. Yeah. Well, I think you've had a lot of successful moments. I know that you're going through kind of a rough time right now, but and um, it's not even. Yeah. And I don't even think it's a rough time. Like m- life is good. Yeah. But like there's, you know, it's a constant struggle. There's no, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a rough time. Life is great. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. My family is fine, but there are things that we, you know, as we mature, I think our, I don't know, just our opinions maybe of what, I don't know, maybe I look back and I'm like, you know, I've opened up too much or I don't know. I'm in this weird phase where, yeah, I think that's better than not tough times as much as it's like a phase. Yeah. I'm just questioning things. Yeah. And you might do it too. You might start this podcast and a year from now you might be 
you know, booming in your podcast. And all of a sudden you're like the, maybe the success is, is almost like scary. And maybe that's where I am. Right. Like we have these things, we have opportunities always coming up more people knowing about us, like more meetings that I'm having with different partnership opportunities. And Mm -hmm. like, maybe it's the fear of not being good enough, not being what people think I am. Yeah. Um, you know, they see me on social media as one thing. And then me saying, am I actually like that? You know, like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're going to meet me and they're going to think, oh God, that was a joke. That girl's fake or whatever it is. You know, I don't know, but it's just this weird place. Yeah. And, and just trying to keep your tribe. Yeah. I think a lot of things, I mean, I, I, I struggle with that too, because I promote a lot of things and I believe in a lot of things that I'm not that great at doing myself. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's kind of like, I think when you have, but there's still ideals that I'm reaching toward, you know? And so I think when, when we know ideally what we want to be and we see where we're at and we know that there's a gap there, it can kind of make you feel, um, insincere or, or, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, am am I being fake? Am I representing something that I'm not? But I think, you know, we're all a work in progress. And, you know, to me, it's, it's always, you know, good, better, and best. And if we can take that next step towards, towards what's best, then that's a good thing. I mean, Um, I had something that, yeah, and it's, it's true. And I always tell, you know, the girls that work for me or whatever, that I always try and be better today than I was the day before. And I try and tell myself that, but you know, I have things that happen on the farm where I might not, you know, I'm under a lot of pressure, right? Like I'm under a lot of financial pressure. I'm under a lot of pressure from just producing products and, and all of these other things that deadlines that we're trying to meet and all of these things that, um, you know, with clients that we're trying to please. And so like something might happen that might stress me out and I might not react great, you know? And, um, you know, my big fear is like always like, you know, is that person going to forgive me? Are they going to let, they, are they going to understand, um, that I'm still growing? I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm a work in progress. Like, I might not have reacted great today, but like, give me a learning chance. And, you know, next time I'm under pressure, like, let's see if I do better. Yeah. Um, Be forgiving to me, just like you're forgiving to your own self or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, um, I don't think people see, uh, maybe they do, I'm not sure, but what we do as like a very large business, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's so much financial pressure. Yeah. Um, and when you're, what you're, you know, when your family's, what you're feeding your family, like when our mouths, my family's mouths, food is on the mm-hmm. line and our livelihood is on the line. Like it's something I take really seriously. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not a hobby for us. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, there's always growing, there's always opportunity to grow and to do better. Um, and I just have to remind myself that too. Yeah. And I think you're probably experiencing some growing pains as you're, like you say, you are having these new opportunities and reaching this, this next, you're kind of leveling up, I guess, to a different level. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it brings with it a whole new 
set of problems and every yeah you know I mean I, I with it. and I always say like I've never I've never had so much money in my life at one time at points mm-hmm. in this farm days later I'll never have spent so much money in <laughs> right. one point in my life on this farm right. and it's like you know, I always call the feed store and I'll be like, Hey, can you check and see if I have a bill? Because I feel like I have a lot of money right now. Be like, Oh God. Yeah. Whoops. We forgot to bill you for two months. And I'm like, Oh my God. You know, it's like just there's. And so just when I think like I'm catching up, just when I think like things are, you know, Oh, great. Oh, good. Oh no. You know, and so there's so much pressure. Like I talk to restaurants all the time that call them. They don't understand how I can't provide, you know, this for them or that for them. And, um, you know, they want to be on the schedule and I'm like, Hey, we're just not there yet. And so that there's pressure there. And, um, and so the more that you grow and the more that people know about you, more that people expect of you, the more that you have to deliver, you know, service, product, quality. Um, it just, it's a lot, you know, and it's not a, I mean, yeah, I used to think that, having 40 acres would solve all of the issues that we had on our two acre farm. Right. You know, I was like, James, if only we had more land, I would have no more of these problems. That was just a big joke. My problems are just 40 acres. That much bigger. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of pressure and we put that pressure on ourselves. I could just not answer the phone when these restaurants call. Right. Yeah. But instead I do. And then I sit there and I, I try and explain I'm like I don't owe anybody an explanation I can easily just say no but here I am the kind of person that I am yeah I'm not great at saying no yeah and uh anyway so it's very it's a lot and now a quick word about our sponsor True Earth is dedicated to developing new innovative and sustainable farming practices in order to improve the soil itself and the quality of the products grown there. Whether it's their all natural fertilizers for the soil or all natural tinctures and oils from the pharmacy, True Earth is your source for medicine for the earth and medicine from the earth. For more information, visit their website, trueearth.co. That's T-R-U-E-E-A-R-T-H dot C-O. Marissa and I got so caught up in our conversation that we talked enough to fill not one, but two episodes. So be sure to check back next Tuesday for the second half of this conversation. We'll delve into some of the struggles of a local food system when it comes to restaurant demands and farm supply, fitting in or not with social norms, some of Farmer Ellie's antics, as well as what to look for in 2022 at Whipperwill Farms. Thanks for joining us at the table today and being a part of the conversation. If you haven't already, head on over to our website, southernsoil.org, and be sure to sign up for our newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. As always, support your local farmers and let's grow our local food communities together. Have a great day.